0: Hi, everybody. I'm Carl Darden, and I'd like to welcome and thank all of you for joining us today on Navy Sports Central. I'm your host, and this is the official podcast of the Navy Sports Nation, where we take a deeper dive into Navy sports. In this episode, we'll continue with our preview of the 2021 Navy football team by breaking down the offensive line, and we'll also go over the four critical questions the coaching staff needs to answer when looking for a quarterback to run the triple option. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back to the podcast, everybody, and whether you are a new or a returning listener, thanks for checking us out. We really appreciate it. We've got quite a bit to cover today, so let's go ahead and jump in with a quick recap of how the spring sports finished up. We're going to start with uh, outdoor track and field. Both the men's and women's teams took home the Patriot League Championships, and it was the seventh straight title for the men and the third in a row for the women. And they um, actually went about it in completely different fashion. Um, the men's team trailed Army by 19 points going into the last two events, and that was the um, high jump and the 4x400 meter relay. But they ended up placing first, third, and fourth to pick up 21 points in the high jump, and the Black Knights actually got shut out in that event. So what that meant was that Army was now trailing going into the 4x400, and they needed to finish two places ahead of the mids in order to secure the championship. But that didn't happen. The Mids ended up winning the 4x400 by a second and a half, and that allowed them to take home the trophy again. Uh, Clayton Thompson was named the meet's outstanding male athlete. He actually totaled 36 of the Mids' 298 points, and that included individual wins in the 110 and 400-meter hurdles. Now, the results from the women's meet weren't nearly as dramatic. Um, the Mids got out to a really quick start, and they never looked back. And by the time it was over... They'd set a record for the most number of points scored in the meet, which was uh, 295. Uh, Molly Mangan was named the meet's most outstanding female athlete. She won two individual events, those being the 100 and 200-meter dash. And she also was a member of the two winning relay teams, uh, 4x1 and the 4x400-meter relay. In fact, um, her time of 23.84 seconds in the 200 meters was a school record, And she also anchored that four by 400 meter team to a school record time of three minutes, 42.38 seconds. So congratulations to all the athletes on the track and field teams on an outstanding season. Next up for them are the regionals and the NCAA championships coming up in later in May and also in the first part of June. Okay. Now we'll take a look at baseball. Um, The mids completed kind of an up and down season by taking two out of three against army to win that star competition. So that was pretty cool. And uh, they also qualified for the Patriot League tournament. They will be playing Lehigh in the semifinals on Saturday. And I'm not too worried about their bats. I mean, they can put up a lot of runs. In fact, they scored six in extra innings to beat Army 10-5 to uh, in Game 3 of that series. But uh, the pitching is a little bit uneven. And so if they can tighten that up a little bit, they could make a pretty good run at that championship. And now checking out the women's golf team, they just got back from their first ever NCA tournament, capping off a great year for them. In the uh, Stanford Regional, sophomore Angelina Chan was the Mids' highest finisher at tied for 52nd. She had a three-round average of 74. And moving on to tennis, the men's team qualified for the NCA tournament, and they fought hard against Oklahoma State, who I believe was ranked, but uh, the Mids weren't able to advance all the matches were pretty tightly contested, though, so I think they can feel pretty proud of their performance overall. And finally, taking a look at men's and women's lacrosse, uh, both teams made it to the Patriot League tournament, but unfortunately the women lost a heartbreaker to Lehigh 13-12 to in overtime, and the men just weren't able to reproduce that uh, big win over Loyola that they had earlier in the year to advance. So even though they exited the tournament a little bit earlier than they probably wanted to, I I still think it was a pretty solid year for both teams. And I just keep thinking back to having to stop play for an entire month. If that interruption hadn't taken place, it could have been a completely different outcome this season. But uh, I'd have to say that the best news of the spring was the fact that the Mids won the star competition over Army yet again. Uh, I can't even remember the last time they lost to them. And this time they had to come from behind to do it. Because right towards the end of the winter, they were sitting on a 2-4 and record in the star competition. And uh, that's when they were heading up to West Point to take on the Black Knights up there in wrestling. And the uh, wrestling team came through. They won that meet for the first time in five years. And that gave them the momentum that they needed to close out the series. When you look at the last 14 competitions, the Mids won 11 of them and ended up winning the entire Star Series by a score of 13 to 7. So again, I don't know how many times in a row the Mids have won this Star Series, but um, I know it's at least six or seven straight. So congratulations to all the athletes there on a great spring to close that out. All right, we'll be right back after a short break with part one of our deep dive segment where we'll turn our attention to football and we'll be getting our first look at Navy's offensive line for 2021. Okay, thanks for staying with us, everybody. And uh, today in our Deep Dive segment, we're going to continue with our look at the 2021 Navy football team by taking a look at the offensive line. Now, he- here's one thing I thought about last year when it came to the triple option, and it, and it has to do with cars. Um, you could have the nicest car on the highway, but if the transmission isn't working right, that thing's not going anywhere. And that was pretty much the case with the uh, Navy attack last year. The offensive line just could not develop the consistency nor the chemistry that it did in 2019, and it just plagued them for the entire season. So just to give you an idea of what I'm talking about, in 2019, the Mids led the entire nation in rushing with an average of 360.5 yards per game, and in 2020, that number dropped all the way down to 177 yards. Now, obviously, there were a lot of mitigating factors, not the least of which was the pandemic, because... As we've spoken about in the past, it just completely wiped out spring practices, and that meant that there was no time to evaluate talent or build chemistry either, and that's really important when it comes to running the triple option. And then during the fall, there was really no physical contact either, and that was done primarily for safety reasons because we didn't know really what we were up against. But it showed right away in the very first game, uh, BYU came into Navy Marine Corps Stadium and just completely blew our guys off the line of scrimmage. They were very much more aggressive at the point of attack. And the offensive line was basically playing on its heels for the entire game. And it was like that for much of the season. The uh, The line just could not develop the consistency that they needed to be effective. Now, there were some bright spots. Uh, Billy Honaker and Peter Nestoritz played pretty well at right guard and right tackle, and most of the mid productivity on the ground did come from that side. Uh, it wasn't so much from the triple option. They were playing a lot of uh, just a lot of good zone blocking with sending the fullbacks that way. But uh, most of the production did come from the right side of the line last year. It was the left side of the line that had the issues. So that was the biggest question mark going into this spring. Um, I think I did mention on the last podcast that the coaches were pretty excited about what they were seeing from the offensive line. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that they were getting their first really good look at the freshmen and sophomores during spring practices. They, they just didn't have that luxury last season. So I think the best way to go about this is to just kind of give you guys an idea of what Coach Ashley Ingram is looking for in his linemen. And then I'll let you know the top two guys on the depth chart at each position. So when he sat down and talked with the media about a week into the spring practices, um, he talked about his overall objective for his players. And the thing he mentioned as far as the biggest goal was just constant improvement every single day. Coach Ingram's priority is to teach his players the offense to the point where they are playing with absolutely no doubt. And once you eliminate that uncertainty, that's when they can start playing at the speed necessary to be successful. So what am I talking about there? Well, I mean, it it starts with the fundamentals. What's my responsibility on this play? Am I exploding off the ball? Who am I blocking? Am I getting low enough when I block? All those things come into play when it comes to executing on the line, and once the players get that down, then they can start working on the finer details. Those things I just mentioned have to become second nature so that the line can play much faster, and it, it all figures into the timing, too, because when you talk about the interior blocking, a lot of it does come down to timing, and, and when you see a ball carrier hit the hole just as it opens up, that tells you that the linemen are executing their blocks with the necessary speed. Now, this year's group of offensive linemen, they have a boatload of talent. I mean, they're young. There's more depth than you might think, especially now that the coaches have gotten a really good look at these players for the first time. And the one thing that the staff is most excited about is that these guys are both big and athletic. Uh, There are guys out there around 300 pounds who are very agile, and they have excellent footwork to go along with their strength. So here are some players that you can expect to see on the offensive line when Navy takes the field against Marshall on Labor Day weekend. And we're going to start with the uh, center position, which is probably the deepest one for the Mids. Pierce Banbury has probably the most experience. He's 6'2", 302, and he had a terrific spring. Uh, in fact, Coach Ingram made a point of mentioning that Banbury probably playing the best football since he's been at Navy. And right behind him on the depth chart is a young kid from Hawaii named Darrelson Misanayay. He goes uh, 6'2", 280, and um, athletically, the coaches say he's as talented as any of the other guys out there. Uh, moving on to the right guard position, uh, senior Nick Bernacki from Fairfax, Virginia, will be taking over for Peter Nestrowitz, who was probably the mid's best lineman last year. Bernacki had a really good spring, and he'll be pushed for the starting job by uh, junior Nicholas Rowan from Ridgeland, Mississippi. Uh, both of these guys check in at over 290 pounds, so it should be a really good competition there at right guard. Over at right tackle, we have uh, Kip Frankel, who is 6'1 and 280. He'll be the returning starter. And last year, he, he got into the lineup when the coaching staff found it necessary to move Billy Honaker over to the left side of the line. Frankel stepped in at right tackle and did an outstanding job. Now, he was a little banged up during the spring, but he should be ready to go when fall camp opens up. So on paper, the right side of the line looks just as strong as it did last year. They just need to transfer that performance and practice onto the uh, playing field during the games. And now jumping over to the left side of the line, we got two very talented sophomores battling it out for the starting job. And given the nature of this offense, both of them should actually see a good amount of playing time next season. Right now, Josh Pena, who goes 6'2", 275, is listed at number one. He is from uh, Queen Creek, Arizona, which is actually not too far from where I live. If you look at the uh, Phoenix metro area, I live in Avondale, which is in the West Valley. And Queen Creek is in the southeast part of the valley, which is about a 45-minute drive away. So anyway, Pena is one of those players who the coaches are getting their first really good look at because as a freshman, he didn't take part in the summer practices last year prior to the season. And the coaches really like what they see so far. The same is true for his classmate Ahmad Bradley Bradley is uh, 6'3 and 300 pounds and the coaches are pretty excited about him as well both of them got better and better every single day during spring practices so even though the left guard play was an issue last year I think there should be some good things happening this season and uh, we'll go ahead and finish up with the left tackle position right now Jake Casavella is currently listed as the starter he'll be a junior and he is 6'4 260 pounds Now, Kostavella doesn't have any varsity experience, and uh, that tells me that he must have really impressed the coaches because he's ahead of Bryce Teixeira, who started about six games last year. So you've got uh, younger guys stepping up and a lot of experience, and that's another reason why I feel pretty good about the left side of the line in 2021. Okay, so that covers all the players. Um, I think the fact that they were able to go full contact for all 15 practices is going to make a huge difference. And it all goes back to what Coach Ingram was talking about when it comes to getting as many reps in as possible. That's what's going to make the difference in terms of the offensive line getting that system down, being able to play with uh, a lot of confidence, a lot of speed, and that's what's going to be necessary for them to be successful. You know, earlier I talked about the chemistry that needs to exist within a really good offensive line. And uh, you could see it with that 2019 team. They seem to be playing with one brain and one heartbeat. And even though this year's line isn't there yet, the uh, coaches seem to think they have that kind of potential. So that's another reason for me to be fired up, too. All right. We're going to step away for a short break. And when we come back, we'll be getting into part two of our deep dive segment. And this was something I added at the last minute based on some great feedback from the question of the day from our last podcast. So stay with us. Okay, welcome back to Navy Sports Central. I'm Carl Darden, and we're going to do something a little bit different today. Um, Those of you who tuned into our last podcast were asked to respond to our question of the day, and we got enough engagement to basically expand it into part two of our deep dive segment. So we're going to get into that right now. The question was, to run the triple option, would you rather have a running quarterback and develop his passing ability or have a passing quarterback with decent running skills? First, I'm going to go through our responses, and then I'll give you my take. And to do that, I'm going to be looking at four specific questions using some of Navy's past triple option quarterbacks as examples. So let's get into some of these answers. The first few come from my classmates. In addition to posting on the Navy Sports Nation group page, I also put it on our Class of 84 uh, Naval Academy page as well. So here's a couple of them. Uh, By the way, Trevor McIntyre gets credit for the most succinct response. He just came back with running QB. Okay, so thank you, Trevor, for that. (laughs) Casey Caradini elaborated on that a little bit. She went with the running quarterback as well, pointing out that to run the triple option, you pretty much are going to be throwing on the run anyway, and you can't teach good feet. So Casey, you're right. If you're referring to quick feet, I definitely agree with you. I think quarterbacks are pretty much stuck with what they're born with when it comes to that, so the quicker the better. And when you have to throw on the run, having quick feet helps when getting them in the right position to make that throw it really does make for learning that necessary footwork a lot easier. I also heard from uh, Kevin Hayes, and he also likes a running quarterback, adding that uh, he needs to be one who can successfully complete enough passes to keep the defenses honest. And that makes total sense. I mean, Navy's always going to be primarily a running team, but being able to complete a few passes downfield is going to keep the defense from stacking the box against them. And I heard from a couple of folks who favored having a good passer with decent running skills um, couple of folks that come to mind, Melanie Doherty and Doug Conkey. They like going with that approach, especially if uh, the guy can throw on the run accurately. And finally, I heard from two regulars on the Navy Sports Nation group page. Uh, one is Mike Reed. He likes the idea of having more of a running quarterback. And then Dave Butler, who is a Navy grad and a longtime football fan, came in with this. And I'm, I'm basically quoting here. He says, "I want a strong runner who's also an accurate passer. Uh, Malcolm Perry was a great runner who learned to pass. Ricky Dobbs was a good passer who learned the triple option. And Keenan Reynolds was good at both. And all three of these guys had success at Navy. So um, I, I think Dave's right on the mark here. He's saying that the key isn't necessarily the type of quarterback you have. The important thing is whether or not they can learn the triple option and execute it. If they can do that, the coaches can figure out ways to use their individual strengths to make them even more successful. Okay, thanks to all of you who came back to me with the response. And now that we've done that, I wanted to get into how the coaches actually go about looking for a good triple option quarterback in the first place. And I bring this up because with the exception of maybe Kaipo, Noah, Kayeku, and Hada, there haven't been that many quarterbacks that have come out of high school that run the triple option. So uh, now the question becomes, what are the coaches looking for when searching for one who's got the potential to run the offense? And what I'm going to do is share with you four questions that Coach Paul Johnson used to select his quarterbacks wherever he coached. So uh, here's the first one. Does the quarterback have the willingness to get up off the ground after a big hit and call the same play and run it aggressively? So this speaks directly to the quarterback's toughness. Now, regardless of what kind of success they had, I will say that the one thing Navy quarterbacks did not lack was toughness. Over the years, I've seen them take some absolutely bone-crushing hits and they get right back up, so they aren't lacking for toughness at all. The fact is that the mids issues last year had nothing to do with toughness one bit. It was more due to just a lack of experience. When the uh, spring practices went away, that was just critical, critical time that was missed in terms of learning the offense, and it really showed from the very first game of the season. So toughness is an absolute must. And over the years, I haven't seen a single Navy quarterback who came up short in that department. Now, here's the second question. Does the quarterback have enough athletic ability? And by that, I mean speed, quickness, and balance to run for a first down when the defense forces him to carry the ball on an option play. So the key here is the phrase enough athletic ability. I mean, the quarterback does not have to light up every defense he faces although, you know, obviously that doesn't hurt. I mean, Malcolm Perry was a perfect example of that. He was off the charts in all three of those categories. Then you look at somebody like Keenan Reynolds. He wasn't quite as fast as Perry, but he had really good quickness and balance. And even though he didn't have that same speed, he was really tough to chase down once he got into the open field. Next, we have Ricky Dobbs and Will Worth. Uh, Both of these guys were outstanding runners. They're very, very strong, could run through tackles, and they had very good balance as well. So, uh, the one thing that people forget is that even though they didn't have that type of speed that uh, Reynolds and Perry had, they could break off some long runs also. Both of them had career runs of uh, fifty plus yards. I think Dobbs was fifty three, and Will Worth actually broke one off for sixty yards against Notre Dame in that big win his senior year. These two guys could just keep the sticks moving. I mean, they would just bang out that you know four, or five yards of carry and eventually just wear defenses down. So that gives you an idea of how four Navy quarterbacks were able to be successful using the abilities that they had. Uh, that speed, quickness, and balance doesn't have to be record-breaking. It just has to be good enough. The, uh, the one thing we do know is that you absolutely have to have run production coming from that quarterback position. Um, in the triple option area, the quarterbacks were usually good for about 900 to 1,000 yards a year on average, sometimes more. Um, but uh, that's the number that uh, is pretty consistent. And in 2020, they were only able to produce about a little over 300 yards. Okay, we've got a couple of questions to go here. So let's look at the third one. Does a quarterback embrace being an option quarterback and not just tolerate it? Now, obviously, this question goes directly to commitment. And I think that the only time this was really an issue was in 2018. That's when Malcolm Perry was kind of getting settled into playing quarterback. And he hadn't really quite adjusted to the option yet but the coaches didn't feel like they had any other place to go. So they ended up changing things around a little bit and creating more of a zone-blocking scheme to allow Perry to take advantage of his uh, strengths. So uh, when the defenses saw that, they basically just kind of set up a a strategy where they could just contain him. I mean, Perry still got his yards. He gained over 1,000 yards that year. But uh, the triple option in and of itself, which is Navy's bread and butter was very ineffective, and that resulted in a really dismal season. But um, after they lost to Army that year, Perry went to Coach Jasper and just told him, hey, I'm all in. Let's just get to work and get ready for next year. And, and you saw the results. I mean, the guy just turned into a record-breaking quarterback, and it all came from that commitment that he made to Coach Jasper at the end of 2018. That brings us to our fourth and final question, and it's a big one. Does the quarterback have the ability to make the correct pre-snap read and get the offense in the right play if the defense changes its alignment? Now, this is where the Mids really got hurt as a result of them not being able to conduct spring practices last year. All of the uh, successful Navy quarterbacks had the ability to make those adjustments at the line if the defense changed things up. When you look at all the past Navy quarterbacks, uh, Kenan Reynolds was probably the best at this. He was just a guru when it came to the triple option. I mean, Coach Jasper on several occasions said that having Reynolds in the huddle was like having another offensive coordinator out there. So Reynolds was really good at making those uh, pre-snap reads. And then when you look at Worth, Dobbs, and Perry, those guys are pretty good at it too. And even if they didn't get it right every single time, they could make the plays with their feet to get the necessary yards to keep that drive alive. And that was also the case with the quarterbacks who played under Coach Johnson when he was at the academy. Now, when you look at last year, the quarterbacks all struggled with getting the offense in the right play if the defense changed things up. In fact, sometimes they just had trouble making the right read, period, even if the defense didn't change anything at the line of scrimmage. And and that was a constant source of frustration uh, for the offense. Okay, that does it for the questions on how to select a good triple option quarterback. Uh, so now let's go ahead and see how this group stacks up. In our last podcast, we discussed Xavier Arline, Masai Maynard, Ty Levitai, and Jaden Umbarger. Now, when the depth chart came out last week, Umbarger was listed as a wide receiver. So we're gonna we're just going to go ahead and focus on the first three. I uh, listened to all the press conferences coming out of these spring practices, those involving Coach Niamatololo and also Coach Jasper, And it sounds like, based on what they saw, both Ty Levitae and Xavier Arline are running neck and neck for that number one position, and Masai Maynard is not that far behind them. So right now, there's not a clear-cut starter, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, because all three quarterbacks used this time during the spring drills to really take a huge step forward in their development, and the coaches had great things to say about all of them. Arline is the best runner of the three, and I don't think that comes as any big surprise considering what we saw last year. Uh, He's got really good speed, he gets in and out of cuts really fast, and uh, he does see the field very well. So he's got the potential to be uh, an explosive runner, maybe not quite as much as Malcolm Perry was, but uh, pretty close anyway. Uh, The coaches did point out that uh, they do like Arline's ability to uh, take control of the huddle, so he's really done a good job demonstrating his leadership skills out there on the field. And uh, that's certainly going to set him up in pretty good shape moving forward. I would say that the one gap that they need to be addressing is his passing game. And this is something that Arline does understand, and they've been working at it pretty hard. But remember, Perry was in the same situation his junior year. He did not throw the ball all that well. And by the time the 2019 season started, he developed into a really good passer. Now, Ty Levitai is the biggest of the three quarterbacks. He's 6'2 and about 2'15", Coach Jasper says he's way more agile than people give him credit for, and he's right. I mean, I've seen some film on this guy, and you wouldn't think that somebody who goes 215 pounds could move with the agility that he has. But uh, the kid's definitely got some skills. Uh, one of the things that Coach Niematalolo was talking about was uh, when he was out there was every time they looked up, Lavatai was gaining, you know, four and five yards of carry whenever the defense forced him into to taking the ball himself. So the runs weren't spectacular, but you know, when you got your quarterback picking up four and five yards a pop out of the option, that's really all you need. If he's able to do that on a consistent basis, that's going to open up the pitch game and the fullback dive and the uh, passing game also. And levitai has got a really, really good arm. The coaches made a point of talking about Levitae's accuracy. And the video I saw from him when he was in high school pretty much backs that up also. So you have both Arline and Lavatide tied at the top of the depth chart there. And not too far behind them is Messi Manor. He made some really big improvements during the spring, particularly when it comes to, you know, making the correct reads and so forth. So he still has a little bit of work to do there, but uh, definitely made the most of his time in terms of just improving his own skill set. As I had mentioned in the last podcast, Maynard's strengths are being able to run with power and also throwing the ball. Coach Nimatololo spoke to the fact that he throws the ball a lot like Ricky Dobbs does. So that's, that's definitely a good thing. So uh, overall, I feel pretty good about the quarterback situation right now, especially compared to last year. And I will say that I'm 100% behind whoever the coaches decide on as a starter. But uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I was really glad to see Ty Lavatai has such a good spring. There's all kinds of upside to this guy if he continues to improve at his current pace. He's big, he's strong, he runs really well, and he's an accurate passer, both dropping back and throwing on the run. So, if the coaches get to the point where they feel that Lavatai is good enough to run the triple option, there's no telling what this guy can do. Now, I do like what Xavier Arline and Masai Maynard bring to the table also. Um, it's just that after listening to both Coach Neomatololo and Coach Jasper, this is what I'm hearing. Um, Arline's understanding of the offense is progressing really well. There's no, there's no question about that. And he's a great leader out there too. He just needs to become a better passer. Maynard's made some big improvements when it comes to understanding the offense, and he's definitely taken a huge step forward, but there's still some work to do to catch up to the other two guys. The uh, coaches do like the fact that he throws the ball well, and he's playing with a lot of confidence, but ultimately, it comes down to decision-making, and the guy who gets on the field is going to be the one who makes the best decisions with the football, which means making the fewest mistakes. There's uh, still a long way to go before a final decision is made, so the picture should become more clear in the next couple of months. Now, regardless of who's named the starting quarterback, I want to see Navy getting back to a place where they were in 2015 and 2016. And that's basically when they had a starter and then a very, very strong backup. When Keenan Reynolds got dinged up, Tago Smith came in and the offense did not lose a beat. And then, of course, when Smith went down in the first game of the season in 2016, in comes Will Worth to take the team all the way to the AAC championship game. So the the Mids have the physical talent at quarterback to do some great things this year. And once the triple option comes together in their minds, 2021 could wind up being a whole lot better than last season. Okay, so that does it for part two of our Deep Dive segment. Guys, I really appreciate all your comments on a Navy quarterback question. That's what made it so much fun to put this segment together. Um, I can't wait to see how things play out. We'll be back after a short break. Okay, welcome back to Navy Sports Central. Carl Darden back here with you. And now we're going to get into our question of the day for this episode. Uh, and it's pretty straightforward. We've been talking about the uh, star competition this year and the fact that Navy won it 13-7 to after being down 4-2 to late in the winter. So my question to you is and specifically focusing on the spring sports because I know the wrestling win was big, but we've kind of already talked about that. Uh, So just looking at the spring season, which win over Army to you did you find to be the most satisfying? Okay, so think about that for a minute, and you can respond by either texting or leaving a voicemail at 623-282-4896. Again, that's 623-282-4896. And I'm also going to leave this on both the Navy Sports Nation group page and our class of 1984 naval academy page because uh that seems to be a pretty easy way for you guys to respond as well okay so hopefully we'll get the same kind of feedback and uh, i'm looking forward to discussing that with you now it's time to start wrapping things up we're going to go ahead and take a look at our two athletes on the midwatch. this is actually going to be our final look at nicole victory she wrapped up her navy career against lehigh in the patriot league tournament Victory was the Mids point leader for the year with 42 overall, and that included 27 goals and 15 assists. She also had two game-winning goals, and one of them was against Army back in March, which of course earned the Mids the uh, star in that game. Statistically, her best game was against American. Uh, that's the one where Navy won 20-13. In that one, Victory had a hat trick, and she also chipped in with four assists for a total of seven points. So uh, congratulations to Nicole Victory on an outstanding Navy career. I really enjoyed watching her play this season. Now, moving on to Charlie Connolly, his season isn't quite finished yet, uh, depending on how Navy does in the Patriot League tournament. But at least right now, his record stands at 4-1, and one, and he's got an ERA of 3.62. Uh, by the way, that those four wins tie him for first on the team. And he also leads the team in strikeouts with 42 Opposing batters are only hitting about uh, 2 against him. Um, his last win was against Lehigh, and he pitched really well against Army, only allowing one earned run through four innings, but just didn't quite get the run support. The mids bats woke up in games two and three against Army, but they could only push across one run for Connolly uh, in the game that he pitched. It's a pretty good bet that he's going to be starting the uh, Patriot League semifinal game against Lehigh. So good luck to the Mids there. If they're able to get by the Mountain Hawks, they will advance to the uh, Patriot League final, which will be played on the following weekend. Okay, everybody, that's going to do it for this edition of Navy Sports Central. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, if you like what you heard, be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts and go ahead and spread the word to all the other Navy fans out there. Remember to get back to us on our question of the day. You can do that by calling 623 282 4896. Again, that's 623 282 4896. And feel free to leave a voicemail or a text message. One quick reminder the views expressed on Navy Sports Central are my own and do not represent those of the U.S. Naval Academy or Navy Athletics. And by the way, the music used on a Navy Sports Central podcast comes to you courtesy of Audio Jungle. This is a great source for purchasing the rights to use music from thousands of artists around the world. And those we feature in this podcast will be credited in the show notes. Talk to you soon, everybody. Until next time, my name is Carl Darden, Doe Navy, Beat Army.